Yeah, we back. How you like me now? Kumo D. We have him on the line. Now, let me ask you. Kumo D. LL responded um, on the Less Than Zero soundtrack with Jack the Ripper. Um, what was your reaction to that record? Thought it wasn't enough. I just always felt that uh, <clears throat> when it came to battles, and I said this in the book, and I, and I say it all the time, I thought LL was a great MC without question. He, uh, uh, top 10 all time for me. Um, but when it came to battle, I just always felt that it wasn't really where he came from or what he was built for. Um, and, you know, there's certain cats that can't make records, but they, they can battle you and, you know, destroy you in a battle space. Then there are dudes that are great MCs and can make great records, but battle just isn't their lane. And I always felt that, honestly, that just wasn't LL's lane. I mean, whether it was with, you know, the, the only time I had ever heard him, in my opinion, in a battle space where it felt close to what I consider battle rhyme is when he, the second response to cannabis, but the first one, like, nah. I mean, when he did the, you know, can I bust or whatever. Right. But even then, it was just, it was more energy than actual content, because I, you know, I thought cannabis, you know, got into him also. And right. I think when it comes to it, it's, it's kind of like Nas and Jay-Z. I think Jay-Z is an incredible MC. I don't know if the battle thing is his space, because, you know, when, when I look at what, you know, whether Super Ugly or whatever it is, compared to what, what Nas did on Ether, it's like, nah, man, that, that, that's where you go in a battle. Mm-hmm. It's got to be personal. It's got to be kind of witty. It's got to be clever. You got to do something that people, you know, I call it the ooh effect. What are they saying ooh to? Right. Where, where's the ooh effect? And when I heard, you know, A, K, A, James, Todd, Smith, Hall, the penitentiary steal, love my sex appeal, homegirls in the house, come on. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, that's... <laughs> You, you're losing focus. <laughs> this is not a battle. What right. are you doing? It, yeah, and, and so, I had the same sentiment when I listened to that type of record. It's like you're not really taking any jabs. It's more so you're trying to display how how raw you are on the mic as opposed right, to... Right, right. And I said, and that's, that's the one space that in battle, that's the place that, that all of that stuff is out of the equation. It's literally what I'm saying about you and what you're saying about me. And... I just felt that when I heard Jack the Ripper, I mean, I, it was cool. It was, I did enjoy the record itself because, you know, the, the music and the sound. And, again, he's a dope MC in my opinion. However, in terms of what it was as a battle, I just didn't see it measuring up. And I know, you know, people say, well, of course, it's you, so you're not going to give him credit and blah, 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 blah. I said, nah, man, I just, I always honestly said when people were doing, you know, the comparison to Jack the Ripper versus Let's Go, I'm like, if you take what I said versus what he said, I honestly felt at the time, like, where is the contest? And I'm not saying he's not dope. I'm just saying, but he's not going at me, and in 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 it's just not enough. You got you got to go harder. Yeah. And that's what I said in un- in one of the uh, you know in beef. I was like, if I was rhyming about me, oh man, I was like, I was nervous that somebody would say some of the stuff I would say. <laughs> he never <laughs> said it. Like okay, yeah. So you know, and then when he even got to the break of dawn, which was a funky record without question, I thought it was a bailout. I thought you know throwing hammer and and ice tea in there and doing a verse. I'm like ah, that's a bailout. Yeah. And and but it was it was strat it was strategic. It was smart because what he was doing, he was just trying to make it like, listen, I'm the guy that everybody's shooting at. So let me do this all in one fight. Like no, dude, the battle is me and you. You you know it's like. People want to see Pacquiao and Mayweather. They, you know, the other fights is cool, but they want Pacquiao and Mayweather. Right, right. So, you know, you know, Ali Frazier, 
Tyson Holyfield. Like, you know, you can fight other people, but Tyson Holyfield is what we're looking for. Right. So I just felt that that, you know, it was a bailout in that sense or whatever. And that was the first time, or not the first time, but that was a, a clear time when I ran into how the vibration is changing, uh, people's opinions uh, are now way more diverse because, you know, they, it, it was never one thing I could say, and, and this is the thing that I used to always say to Def Jam, I was like, as much money, and I say this to Russell anybody, as much money as you guys spent on promoting him and as many records as he sold in the image, the fact that it wasn't unanimous means y'all lost to me. Wow. It's like because I didn't have anywhere near that kind of promotion or that kind of backing behind it. I was already the older guy. There's a whole newer generation that's coming in. It's, and the fact that people are arguing means you lost. Because there would be no argument if I had all that kind of promotion. <laughs> is where I was coming from. Right, right, I was right. Like, so, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, and, and this is, to, to this day, I still say, there was never no real beef, no real grudge. Um, easily top ten MC of all time for me is, is on the LL side. Right. I just didn't see where, what were people calibrated. And I used to ask Cassie all the time, I was like, okay, so even for the Cassie said he won, I'm like, okay, give me the line that sticks with you. Give me the that line did it for you, or that punchline was crazy, or give me something. And it's like, yo, I'm just, you know, I like the record. I'm like, okay, we're not, you know, Teddy Riley's not battling Molly Maul. I understand the record. I'm saying me and him. <laughs> it's like, right. we get, and, and yeah. the thing that happened, the thing that was crazy about hip-hop at the time, and this is what I meant from a generational space, I, you have to remember, you now are dealing with a generation of people that don't know anything about a party. They don't know anything about a live gate. They don't know anything about anything other than, I was 12, I'm listening to these records on the radio, I like this record better, therefore I think he won. Right, and right. you got to break down to them like, yo, it's not about the record; it's about the rhyme. Yeah, but I like this record better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But let me let me let me just throw something to you for sure with the record. Let's go. I knew for sure that they told them from the upper hand that at the major division of who was distributing their records to tell them to get out of this. But mm-hmm. both these drop all those L's on him. That was dope. <laughs> you didn't know that was how crazy. Far that, that was me to the point where everybody was like, oh, man, that record is okay. No, dog, the dude took L's <laughs> in all kind of ways to drop on you, and they're going to say that's not hot or great. Right. And they would tell, listen, you got to get out of this, man. Just like get, you, you could talk a good fight, but now let's get out of it because we don't need you to keep going back because you don't know what this man got sitting in his book. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that seems like it was a difference between, um, now that I'm listening and hearing the, the how it unfolded, that, as we go back in, you know, earlier into the interview when we were talking about the difference between hip-hop rappers and hip-hop MCs, it's like there was the, the, the difference. Even though, you, like you say, you didn't have the promotion and the money that, and the backing, you feel that you were victorious because of the lack of an argument. I mean, because of the lack of not having or having an argument, basically. Um, anybody who, has, who can't say it was a unanimous win says that you won now i i'm starting to think now and, and i don't want to i'm not taking any 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 credit away from ll cool j but at that time it seemed like he might have been the rapper that was was the one that was the rapper and then you were stood out as the mc to where um your skills kind of manifested and kind of outshined in um you know your opponent in that particular battle um but i want to fast forward just a little bit to 1989 to the knowledge is king album where um, uh, two of my favorite Kumo D records, They Want Money and I Go to Work. I Go to Work is like, one, you know, 
there's so many I I have so many broken rewind buttons because I'm listening to the the punchlines and and the the flow is just you know is riding. Um, how how was your career going? You know, starting out on um, you know doing the parties, then you go to Enjoy Records, you go to Sugar Hill. Now you're on Jive. Um, what was it like toward the end of the '80s? Like you said, there was a love hate thing going on. Did you feel like your career was kind of going? Um, you know, getting away from you or, you know, it was on a decline. What was it like at the end of the 90s when, I mean, excuse me, the 80s when the 90s were, were on the heel of the 90s and we got the G-Funk, we got the gangsters, we got Tupac and them coming in, um, you know, a little later and all those artists. But, you know, the 80s are coming to an end. What was your mind state at that time as far as hip-hop and in, in your career is concerned? It was great in 89. 90 is the turning point. In 89, we got Knowledge is King. I go to work. We're on tour. Uh, I called the Unsung Hip Hop Heroes, myself, uh, Jazzy Jeff Fresh Friends, a.k.a. Will Smith, and Heavy D. We are all over the radio. We're in a space where radio wouldn't play hip hop before, and now they're playing us, and we're finally getting rotation. It was what I called the breakthrough year. When the breakthrough year happened, simultaneously, we got Chuck D and Public Enemy coming out with Fight the Power, Spike Lee's movie, Do the Right Thing. That's all summer of 1989, a number, number. that's 89. Uh So when we get to 89, this is the part, this is the unsung, untrue. This is why I didn't like my unsung. They didn't deal with all of the stuff that I gave them. In 1989, industry heads, you know, it's not the the Internet thing going around about the secret meeting. It's But it's a real palatable thing that nobody wants to talk about, that those of us that are in the loop and in the no-no, they did not want the consciousness that was happening in hip-hop to take on the momentum that it did. And this is where the East Coast, West Coast stuff starts because they make a choice to start choosing to play gangster. Now, you go from not playing rap records on radio because you don't want to play rap. Remember, they used to have campaigns. We play no-no rap, WKG Bell, all <laughs> R&B. Right. No no right. rap, no, no, no rap, you know, because the older people still didn't like hip-hop. They didn't like the rap records. They called them, they was this is not music, blah, 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 blah. So you go from that space to playing not only quote-unquote gangster records, you're beeping the curses out. That's how bad you want this content on the air. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, now how do we go from not playing, knowledge is king, fight the power, Jesus was a black man, all of this positive pro-black stuff that we're doing in 89, how do you go from that to not playing, uh, to not playing that to playing, you know, whatever the heck? I want and I'll never call names because I love my my, my my West Coast artists also. Mm-hmm. But you're playing hip hop with profanity in it and just beeping it out. What they made a conscious decision to do was to popularize gangster to come to undo the heat that was coming on the quote-unquote conscious side because you started getting just even the, even the local artists that wow, lock wow. him shabazz wow. and and you know you got lock him shabazz and you got the x clan coming and you got you know poor righteous teachers you starting to get consciousness coming in like uh-uh no 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 the, the, the irony there is the irony there is 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 amazing to me what you're saying to to depopularize something positive that's coming through the airwaves and then popularize uh, to, to, to outshine and, out and, and overshadow with gangster rap. It's quote-unquote gangster Right, and that's, that's intentional. I, and, yeah, okay. And the, the problem with that, again, is, and this is just like the same, same signature from the early part of the DNA of hip-hop, we don't understand that, listen, the West Coast, is, their voice is valid. Those stories are true and valid, and they had a right to tell those stories. The fact that 
if they do it three years earlier, it would never be on the radio and we'd never have a problem with it. The problem was they made that the most popular viable form of music and then they started trying to tone the other stuff down so far that when we're speaking out against the content, that West Coast artists are looking at it like we're speaking out against them. Mm. And because, like I said, again, we never got on the phone and talked to each other like, listen, man, it's not that you can say what the hell you want. And like we always, we understand exactly what it is. You, if that's what's going on in your hood, you speak on it. But the fact that they're playing out on the radio and they won't play the other stuff is where the problem is coming in. Right. And now, you know, now you got this, you know, and like you said, don't not make it like New York is innocent. You know, there are cats like, man, them cats ain't, they, they whack, man. They can't really rhyme or whatever. So the West Coast is hearing that and feeling that. And, you know, West Coast Energy is like, you know, well, F y'all. It is what it is then. So now that the seed that, that has been planted, so by the time it gets to the biggest artist, quote-unquote, from the West, and the biggest artist, quote-unquote, to the e from the East, you know, when you get to three years later of that energy, it culminates with Biggie and Pac, and, and once that goes to where it goes, the media is spinning it in a space where it did exactly what it needed to do. The divide and conquer was in effect. And for me, as an artist, um, at that time, it's almost like what Melly Mel went through in the early 80s. I only want to do conscious rap. I don't want to just say yes, yes, y'all into the beat. I'm like, I'm in a space where I saw something else. I, I went on tour. I, I, you know, I did back on the block with Quincy. I'm, I'm meeting elders. I'm seeing how many of our elders in the music industry don't have money now and how many people have got their publishing taken. Like, hey, I want to talk about this shit. And they're like, oh, hell no. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, uh, what you're getting is a, a, a situation where, for me, my mindset is I'm seeing the writing on the wall, I now know that I'm, I would say, gray-listed, not fully blacklisted, right. but gray-listed in the sense that it's not a welcoming committee anymore. We, we're not having this energy and, and this kind of conversation. And because I had sat down on Arsenio and I started doing the talk circuit, because now they're making me the poster child. He's the one with the degree. He's the college rapper. He's the one that's smart. He's the this. So they started separating me in ways that started almost, and this is the craziest thing about black America, too, if the guy goes to school and does his homework, you try to label him a nerd mm. or you make him uncool, wow. which is the whole reason of calling myself cool. Right. So they're playing into that and saying, oh, you know, now it's like he's not street. You ain't got no street cred. You know, you start, they start putting those kind of labels there so that now you put a taint on whatever it is. So now I want to talk about knowledge, and now you're making knowledge sound like something corny. Right, right. So that's what's happening because you ain't know. And the label's like, listen, man, you got to give me something gangster. Yeah. Like, I don't even use the vernacular. That's not my vernacular. I don't, I don't, come on, you know, I, I've, I've never even said that. That's like me being, you know, 50 saying swag. You know, right. my swag ain't, no, that's, right. I, that's not what I, I don't talk that way. Yeah, and it's funny you said that. I could, I could use it, but it's, you know, I said the first thing about hip-hop and the audience is authenticity. We know what's authentic. Right. You right. know, so, you know, it doesn't make sense to start to talk a way that you don't talk because something is hot. So for me to be saying, yeah, man, I'm gangster, like, no, you're not. <laughs> right. That don't work. Yeah. You, you know, so uh, a, a lot of times, you know, and the industry, again, that's why I say gray and not black blacklisted, but graylisted definitely. And, you know, in certain places, definitely blacklisted. But, you know, at, as from a record space, they just want to sell records. They don't care about your point of view, your personal. They don't care about any of that. They just want to sell records. And if gangster's hot, you need to give us something gangster, period. And it's so sad that Moldy is the was the last pioneer. I'm gonna call him a little pioneer. Right. To be on a major label. With the exception when I was out in LA with Curtis Blow was on that last album. I wrote a song on there Only Strong Will Survive. He was even having a hard time with Greg Peck over at Polydor. You know, 
who they dropped Curtis Ford for some new artists that couldn't even sell three records. And then I was out there in LA with Compton's Most Wanted, you know, with Ant Capone and Aitman when the West Coast was starting to popularize with everything out there and Toddy T with Battle Ram and all that stuff. You know, I'm like, okay, you got a radio station that play your songs all day, okay, day. Right, you Greg know. Mack. Shout out to Greg Mack. And I'm looking at Modi's the only one that went through almost three generations of the Sugar Hill Gang, Furious Five, all that, and the generation. Then his generation that came in with the Duggies and all that stuff, and then he got here on the road with, with Kane and them. He's the only Manhattan rapper on tour with the other girls. Wow. So he did something to keep it alive, and yes, we got blacklisted. Trust me, we did. Once, yeah. we gave up the radio, once we gave up the radio stations in New York, when Africa Islam and Jazzy Jadom gave up Hot 97, okay, we were done. Because BLS had Mr. Magic, and then, you know, all we had to get records to was Frankie Crocker. But once the mix show, the Red Alert number was gone, it got into the hands of Funkmaster Flex, which rolled down from Jazzy J and Islam, and them, it was a wrap. Mm. The Bronx and Manhattan was done. Over. Wow. And that's true facts. Couldn't get no records played. Not the old school. Mm-hmm. Right. So, the wrong one. No, no, that's what it is. So, so as a from a from a fan's perspective, I'm going to speak from a fan's perspective. Let me just step out of being a radio personality, DJ, or whatever. If I if I had never talked to Van Silk or never had interviews with MC Shan and Cool Red Alert, Cool DJ Red Alert, Scorpio, or even Cool Mo D, if I was Still listening to hip hop in 2014, I would be saying to myself, without hearing these stories and these scenarios that happened since the early to mid 70s to 2014, I'm saying to myself, where are my favorite artists? Where is um, the the new Kumo DCD? Where is um, the the new Rakim? Or where is this artist or that artist? Not saying that they're not making music or or, or have attempts to to make things happen musically, but there's a, there's a, there's an aura over hip hop where it's like, dang, what? I know they have access to studios. I know they know people still, you know, who 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 can, you know, put where they can be put in positions to make things happen. The big there's like a huge question mark, um, for some people who are on the outside looking in, such as myself. To well, a I have extent. an answer for you. Uh-huh. I got a couple of answers for you. I have a quick deeper answer for you. Okay, it's, it's part organic and then part superficial. Okay. The organic side is it's very, very hard to get somebody that's trying. The, 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 let me just go first. First, misnomer about the music industry that people really don't get. Very few people are successful with longevity. That's first. Mm-hmm. A, and the reason for that is you have corporate, a corporate infrastructure that's only, consider, uh, only concerned with making money. They could care less about the artistry. And they're not a lot of artists in the industry. you got somebody that comes from Harvard with an MBA that gets hired. He's a lawyer. He's an accountant. The next thing you know, he's an executive. He has no necessarily doesn't have a musical ear, and he's just here like a bean counter. He's here to make money. It's the business part. That's it. So there's no real nurturing. There's no real developing. You know, the days of Motown and the A&R department going in, and, you know, you got the Funk Brothers in there trying to tailor make songs for each artist. That's not happening. So <clears throat> the other part of the industry, and this is back to getting into the organic superficial, uh, it's set up to have it already made. Mm-hmm. You come to us with a package 
We're not spending any more money on anything. We're not giving out those crazy deals anymore. And if we do give a deal, it's going to be a 360, and we want pieces of everything, and we're not putting any money in because it's not a good investment. What we're going to do is if you go ahead and get your weight up and get some followers and Twitter followers and all of that stuff, and it looks like we can make some money, we'll come in and push a button later. But then we want pieces of your merchandising. We want pieces of your live gig. We want a piece of all of that because for us it's always been about a business. So you have an industry where everybody in it, most of the people in it, are always in survival mode. You've been dumbed down to survival, so it's hard to live when you're just trying to survive. Right. So you've you, you got an industry of people in survival mode, and you're not going to get somebody to stop focusing on his survival to help you survive. So that's the organic side. It's mm -hmm. really, really hard to say, yo, Kendrick Lamar, what's up, man? I'm trying to get a verse. He's like, well, I don't know if that necessarily fits right now. I'm not even focused on that. Even Not that I don't have any love for you or not that I wouldn't do it, but, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing, trying to stay in survival mode. Right. So that's the organic side. The superficial side is the industry also creates this climate where they give you, you know, we got racism, we got sexism, we got classism, and the last one is ageism. We Get to this space, and I've been heard too short say it on his unsung. It was a climate back then that you can't be a thirty-year-old rapper. Like, where did that nonsense come from? You know, telling you that you're old. Remember, me and LL doing that battle. I'm 25. They calling me old school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, like, I'm right. 25. Uh huh. But because the the average cat at that time is 17, 18, 19. LL was five, you know five years behind me. He's 20, and I'm 25, and they're saying he's old school because you've been around. Right. From the inception, almost the of, of records. Right. So if, if I'm 25 and, you know, you're 87, you're talking about seven years on wax, you know, 85, that means I'm 18 when all of my hip-hop stuff is when I'm coming in, you know, 80. I turn 18 and 80. You know, I'm giving my age. It is what it is. Right. So right. basically on wax, I'm already old school because they, the mindset is after X amount of time, you're over. You're old. You're played out. And you have a taint on it. So now the newer artist doesn't want to be affiliated with being played out. So somebody you may have loved and revered, you're not going to make a record with them because your label and your industry and your climate is telling you that's played out. Hmm. And you don't want to be played out because you're trying to be in with the new. Right. And the one thing that black America does, back to the flu that we have, is we really, really run from our history. So if I went in and said, yo, I got this great song, you know what? It'd be great if Shaka Khan sang on it. Nah, she's kind of old, though. Why don't you get, you know, can you get Beyonce or Kelly or get somebody younger? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm older, so I think it would make sense to, you know, have Shaka Khan on it. I don't know if the young generation is going to go from, like, but who says I'm going just for the young generation? Like, we get marginalized mm -hmm. because we keep going. It's almost like having a focus group tell you what to do with your art. And that's the, you know, the superficial part. The industry tells you to stay separate. It tells you not to affiliate with anything other than what's hot. If it's hot, get with it. You know, right. if you're a new up-and-coming thing, get with whatever's hot. Because if you get with something that's not hot, you're playing yourself. You might, oh, I don't, you don't want people to look at you that way. So how many great products, projects hadn't happened, you know, we never saw, you know, you get a Bambada and James Brown once every millennium or something. You know, I, I loved R. Kelly doing the thing with Mr. Big with, the, with him and uh, Ronald Isley. And that's because, you know, he had enough power and enough vision that he wanted to do it that way. He did it like it was a storytelling thing or whatever. There's creative ways to do all of that, but we're, we're so separate in our thought process. In survival mode, we've been dumbed down that we don't even understand the power in the connectivity. Right. So 
you know, even with a great product, it's like you don't even know how good you would look if you did that. You don't even know what that would do for the spirit. You don't even know how many elders or how many older people or OGs, whatever you want to call them, would be grateful that you even did that and look at you in a totally different way. So you got the older cat saying the young cats ain't no good and they don't know no better, and you got the younger cats saying they just old and bitter. So nobody's having a conversation and all of this energy back to the superficial side. We can't even get on the same accord. So even if you can get in the studio... Now you don't have the necessarily the best producers. You don't have access to the best, you know. The, and 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 now back to the monetary side, who has the money to invest in that kind of mm-hmm. time to put mm-hmm. that kind of stuff together? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Nine times out of ten, and whether cats are honest with it or not, most of us that are doing okay are literally doing okay. The rest of us are actually struggling, mm-hmm. and I say us because I'm I'm including myself with the group. I'm not doing the separation. That's ego. So in the real space, it's very hard because you got an older cat that's scared to look like he's in, he needs help, so he won't ask. And you got a younger cat trying not to be f- affiliated with the older cat and looking down on him as opposed to you know still revering him. So it's very very hard for those projects to really really come to life because everybody is working from one agenda and is no collective. Right. Uh, you know, even kind of, which I'll touch on real quickly with what Ben was saying about, oh, cats couldn't reach me. It's like, it wasn't that I wasn't reachable or wasn't available. I just didn't like a lot of the conversation that I was hearing coming from some of my peers. And and then if you knew me well, the, which, I, you know, very few people do, but I just say, you know, in, on on the air, for me, I don't I don't deal in hate. So when you're approaching me like, yo, man, we got to get these young cats, we gotta, I'm, not, I'm not down. <laughs> I'm not, because I'm not trying to crush the next generation. Right, I'll right. compete, but, and I, but I'll compete in my own way, in my own lane. I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody that's hot right now look bad because I, I don't like what they're, what they're speaking about their heat, because I understand there's a bigger picture than that. So uh, what was happening when I got hot, uh, you know, you had a lot of people coming out of the woodworks, and what LaVeva was actually doing, you said he had the iron wall around me. LaVeva was protecting them. It wasn't the other way around. <laughs> he was protecting them because I wasn't politically correct. I was straight no chaser. You know, I would, I would call a cat out in a minute, um, you know, which is, which is the other part of what I say. I was like blacklisted on a level, another level. I didn't go along with the program. If you remember, when the Grammys nominated hip-hop, I was the one on stage. They boycotted. And my thing was, the boycott is stupid. If the position was, like P.E. said, who gives a F about a damn Grammy, if that's what our position was, then don't get mad when they say, okay, we're going to honor you, but we're going to put it on the TV section, I mean, on the section before the live television. And everybody's up in arms. I'm like, it's a better strategy. First of all, Russell just calling the boycott without conferring with everybody. I'm like, yo, dude, you don't represent me like that. And your, your mindset doesn't represent my mindset. And then, uh, you know, they tried to go hard. And, oh, he's a sellout. And he's this and that. And they, you know, they took out all these uh, articles and write on and all the magazines at the time. You can go look this up. Uh, it was a big thing where they were trying to blackball me then because I didn't play ball. And I never did play ball. My thing was like, I'm always going to be clear. We can have a conversation about anything, but I don't follow just because. Mm-hmm. And I thought if we had a problem with the Grammys, what we should have done was it was myself, Jazzy Jeff, Fresh Prince, uh, Salt and Pepper, J.J. Fadden, LL. That was the first class of the Grammys, first five nominated, first five hip-hop nominees. Let's go there and make our statement in the building. Right. So uh-huh. they wanted they wanted Will to, to do like a, 
a minute rap or whatever and introduce a category or whatever. And because he was down with the boycott with Russell, I did it. And when I went there, you know, I did what I did. And I told people, you know, in, in the pre-thing, I was like, listen, man, hip-hop is going through the same growing pains as rock and roll did. The generation that preceded us didn't believe in us like, you know, like, the, like, like they didn't believe in us, like they didn't believe in rock and roll. But, you know, for Salt and Pepper, J.J. Fat, uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince and the Boy Who's Bad, this is your hip-hop TV moment. I did that live. So, <clears throat> basically, and then I got into the green room, uh, or, you know, the press room, and I had all the press at my disposal, and I basically held fort like Malcolm up there and <laughs> said everything I had to say. And I said, now, y'all over there at the Lamarjoran partying in front of 200 people with a boycott, and I'm in here in front of the world media on the world stage making the point for hip-hop. Much better strategy. That's why the boycott didn't make any sense. It makes sense to go to the party and scratch the record off there and make the announcement than to be standing outside throwing meat at the windows when they got the music up and can't nobody hear you. Wow. So, wow. It, it just, my thing was like, yo, we always got to think, man. Always think deeper. Always be, you know, when you strategize, strategize better. What's the optimum way? Don't do the emotional thing. Let's do the psychological, the spiritual sometimes. It makes much more sense to go in the building and do it. So, you know, that's where a lot of the blacklist stuff starts. And when, when cats were reaching out and calling, like, you'd be surprised some of the offers and some of the ideas that cats had to do. And I'm like, man, that's separation, you know, on a deeper level. The reason I went to college and I didn't join a frat is because I thought the frats were cool, but I thought it was more divisive than it was inclusive. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that's just on a fun level, you know, step shows and all of that. I'm like, yeah, but if you really break it down in the real world, you're going to hire somebody because he's your frat brother as opposed to the person that needs the job. Wow. Mm, yeah. That's playing yeah. the game from a different kind of level that I don't want to play. Right, right, right. And that, you know what I mean? Uh huh. Go ahead. At a, at a certain level, uh, you know, and, and this is again from hip hop and beyond, you know, it's, it's just like Malcolm had one way, Martin had another way. I appreciated both of them for what they were trying to do for the black community in general, trying to better the community. But for them to not be able to get together because one believes in Jesus and the other one believes in Allah, and we can't get together on that accord, so it has to be separate, it's like we're still doing the same nonsense to this day. Getting locked into belief systems and paradigms and thought processes and not aligning so we don't ever have the body of power that we could have. Right. And <clears throat> they were like, okay, we can't let nobody talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. Because... You know, yeah. you know, and, and, and at that time, you know, I was aggressive with it. Like, I'm putting it with polish on it now. At that time, you know, I would call somebody stupid, and they'd be like, yo, that's the president of so-and-so. I'm like, whatever. Right. Like, now you can't talk to people. Yeah. You, you can't talk to people. Because if I saw that coming, you know, I, I would say it. It didn't matter if it, if it, if it was Russell or Leo. I mean, Lee, me and Leo, you know, he's cursing outside of, the, uh, outside of, uh, of the, the Grammy party right after we did the Grammys because... You know, he had everybody over there at the Lamagian, and I screamed on them. And then um, I did Arsenio that day, and this is on tape also. If you know, I guess when I do Arsenio, he might bring it up. Uh, Will was doing the, you know, explaining about the boycott, and Arsenio had, which I didn't know he was doing this, though, had me planted in the audience to, to give my side of why I was doing the Grammys. And I said, everything I just said to you about it makes better sense to go there or whatever. And he ended the segment on me. And Will was like, yo, yo, but Arsenio, because Will's position was, you know, it's like, you know, being able to graduate, but then told you can't walk. Mm. And they said, well, mm-hmm. we have somebody with a different opinion. He walked out in the audience. I said what I said. Audience clapped and blew up. And then he's like, oh, we got to go to commercial. 
And Leo is like, he dissed you, blah, blah, blah. And outside of the, the, the Grammy party, the RCA Grammy party, you know, he was telling Will, don't speak to him. He's a sellout. And I just went off. And I was like, yo, don't let him destroy your career like he did the run. This is a white boy that comes in, Johnny come lately afterwards like they always do. I, I went crazy on him. And, um, you know, that was the thing. It was like I was always doing things where I was, you know, as they say, tearing down and and burning bridges in spaces because I didn't play the politically correct game in hip-hop. I mean, in the music industry, period. Right. And, and I would say that these are things that, you can stand behind still today, you know, not something you can look back on and be and and, and have, um, you know, your head down because you said certain things at a certain time. And, you know, it to me, it sounds like, OK, I'm going to say what I need to say. It's going to benefit hip hop. It's going to benefit the world. If you want to blackball me or blacklist me, fine. But I stand behind everything I said. And even right. though all these years later, you can still look back and say, yeah, I, um, I'll have a conversation with you again about this information because I know I know. Um, uh, not long let me see uh, Peter Guns Van Silk when we were on the line with Peter Guns he also said that there was a Grammy um, the, the Grammys that uh, they sat out Jay-Z was recommending that you know the guys sit out but I don't think there was a um, a, a spokesperson or a, or someone who was an elder at the time really speaking up and saying why and, and, and these are the things of that nature the same way that you did um, so it was kind of like the, it kind of faded into obscurity a little bit as far as hip hop boycotting I think it was 98 um, the, when the Beastie Boys, when they said the Beastie Boys won that particular Grammy over Peter Gun- Laura Tariq and Peter Guns, there wasn't someone that right. kind of stood up and said, "Okay, um, this is why we're doing this." But um, I commend you actually for being that person to stand up and, and actually take that, all that on your shoulders. You know what I'm saying? So big up to Cool well, you, on that tip. But you got to understand, in that situation, everybody was controlled by. The Johnny Come Lately is in the game, with the exception of Mo. Mo come from a different generation, but is in the same class of the Grammys that year. With the exception of J.J. Fad being managed by Eazy-E, you had uh, uh, Jazz and Jazz Jeff and, you know, Fresh Prince through Def Jam. Rocky Leo was the manager who actually Melly Mel bought to New York. You know, he was supposed to come and work for Mel, just to let everybody know that. But then you had um, Salt and Pepper, which was with Herbie, and Herbie was going to go whatever Leo said. At that point, mm-hmm. M.O.D. was like, look, I've seen this from the from the beginning to now. Like, yo, we can't let them do this to us right. for the first time. Right, you know, right. And now, now they, do it, they do it with no problem now. <laughs> right. Now, leading into um, the final track that I'm going to play uh, for tonight, going into uh, the outro of, the, of this historic, uh, his educational... Um, all kinds of adjectives that I can use to describe the history, the knowledge, the the scenarios, the the, the parties, everything that went into this interview, just dynamic. Um, we're going to go into the last song that we're going to play for uh, this particular interview, which is I Go to Work by Kumo D. So we started off with the Treacherous 3 hit, uh, Feel the Heartbeat. Then we went into uh, Go See the Doctor by Kumo D as a solo artist. Then we went into How You Like Me Now when we talked about the battle situation with another legendary MC who Kumo D actually put into his top 10 of all time, LL Cool J. Now we get into um, another song that I really love, which is called um, I Go to Work by Kumo D. And we've also mentioned other songs, um, including um, uh, um, Death Blow and, 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 and Let's Go and uh, all the songs that were surrounded, Jack the Ripper and, and To the Break of Dawn, all, Mama Said knock you out all these classics surrounded by the culture of hip-hop under the culture of hip-hop and i really want to say i appreciate um cool modi 
spending some time with us. A very lengthy interview, but nonetheless, it was great. It was exciting, and it was it was one of those momentous occasions for me growing up listening. I remember when my older brother came home. He said, "You got to listen to this this song. Um, uh, this artist uh, Kumo D got a song called The Wild Wild West." He was like, "I was like, what is Wild Wild West?" Because it sounded like wild, but it was the Wild Wild West, and it ended up being one of my favorite favorite jams of all time. Listening to that song, listening to all the other hits, and actually being able to talk to you on the phone and have an interview is is something that is momentous for me so i really appreciate that um but this is dj 360 we're on the line with van silk we're on the line with kumo d and we're going to go into the last song for the night it's called i go to work by kumo d uh check with us again um next week when we're back online i'm not going to give you the information about who we're going to be talking to because you know how the 360 mystique goes you got to listen to the interview and get into it before i can give you an understanding who we're on the line with but best believe next week we're going to be on the line with van silk once again you know what i'm saying but this is the 360 mix show we're online with Kumo D and Van Silk. Any any last words? Any ways uh, the the people can get in contact with you, or any um any motivational tips that you can give to the listeners before we uh wrap this up? Very simply, man. I always keep it spiritual, regardless <clears throat> whatever your faith, whatever your belief system is. Uh, you know, <laughs> tune out the noise and tap into your soul, tap into your spirit, man, and and just trust it. Whatever, whatever it is that you do, that's for anybody doing whatever they do, man. You can't, you can't let the ghetto matrix, especially for the hood. Don't let the ghetto matrix fool you, baby. Follow the red pill. <laughs> wow, Van Silk, any last words? <laughs> yeah, I, this is what I have to say is that basically, in order to know about the culture and the story of hip hop, you have to hear it from the people who were there, mm. because you can't let nobody else tell your story, especially while you're alive. Wow, wow, excellent. Here it is. Cool Mo D on the 360 Mitch Show. I go to work. That is the we say chill to make a rhyme and chill Then you know I will fulfill Make a couple of mil as I build the guild For all the rappers to skill and kill The weak rappers and no frill Hang him in effigy as he's a sucker Hang him to the left of me Cause my right hand man is my mic stand And the microphone that I own And my game plan is keep it at a steady pace Ain't no reason to rush It ain't no race I'ma hit the top just when I wanna And it's a matter of time and I'm gonna Cause I know winter Go ahead enter the classic Modi rap that sent you Running around holding your hand Asking your homeboy Yo man you heard what he said Another funky rhythm Look at your man and give him a high five Cause I'm live running around with him Telling everybody hanging out on the block It's time to wake up and check the clock Punch it I go to work Letter, it's the 
becomes visibly better Cause my foundation built a nation of rappers And after I came off vacation I came to roam the land to own Stand alone on the microphone Daddy's home so open the door Playtime is over Time to go to work Work to show the suckers in the place Who run their face A taste of the base And who's the ace Start the race I'm coming in first With these verse I build the curse So rappers can't capture Modi's rapture And after I have to I have to slap your senseless With endless rhymes Don't pretend this is anything Short of stupendous And when this rhyme is done Your mind will become so trapped in the rap You lust another one But you gotta wait It takes time I don't write I build the rhyme Draw the plans Draft the diagrams An architect an effect And it slams And if it's weak when I'm done Renovate And build another one I go first Wednesday Night Comedy, every Wednesday night, Dugans present comedy, hosted by your boy, College Park, Georgia's one and only preacher man, Dugans, Old National Highway, presents comedy, $2 drink special, come out, come out wherever you are, I wonder if you there, I'm gonna be funny, don't worry about me, you just get ready to laugh, Dugans, Old National Highway, presents comedy, brought to you by Beat Break Radio FM. For more info, email us at beatbreakradio at gmail.com. <laughs>